All right. Well, those who were here last night know that we read Luke 2, 1 to 21, but not all of you were here last night. And I have a suspicion that not all of you have this story down, down pat. So we're going to read it again. Because this is the story of the first Christmas. And trust me, the, the sermon will jive. So Luke, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, having done all his research, pens the following. In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby, lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of the living God. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Let us pray. Almighty God, we thank you so much for the sending of your Son. We thank you for the marvelous mystery, the wonder and the awe. We thank you for taking flesh, Jesus. And we thank you for living as one of us. Grant that even now we would adore you 
for the sake of your name. Amen. Well, this morning I'm going to do something that I've never done before. Uh, I'm going to preach someone else's sermon. Uh, the very first Christmas sermon that we have any record of, the oldest Christmas sermon that we have, uh, was from 386. It was delivered by John Chrysostom in his first year of ministry as the pastor of the church in Antioch. Antioch, the church in the Bible, out of which Paul had his home base about three centuries later. Uh, John Chrysostom would go from being a pastor to being the archbishop of Constantinople. But after preaching too much truth to power, the emperor banished him and he died as a monk, as a monk in a monastery. Uh, but nobody remembers that emperor and everybody remembers John Chrysostom. He is as influential in the eastern branch of the church as Augustine is in the western. Uh, in fact, they were somewhat contemporaries. Uh, their ministries overlapped by about a decade. Um, and John Chrysostom, the deliverer of this mass message, I think, points us, he keeps it very Christological. And so I delivered to you his words. Now they were delivered in Greek. So understand I'm not doing Greek. But what follows is John Chrysostom's nativity sermon. Behold, a new and wondrous mystery. My ears resound to the shepherd's song, piping no soft melody, but chanting full forth a heavenly hymn. The angels sing, the archangels blend their voices in harmony. The cherubim hymn their joyful praise, the seraphim exalt his glory. All join to praise this holy feast, beholding the Godhead here on earth and man in heaven. He who is above now for our redemption dwells here below, and he that was lowly is by divine mercy raised. Bethlehem this day resembles heaven, hearing from the stars the singing of angelic voices, and in place of the sun enfolds within itself on every side the sun of justice. And ask not how, for where God wills, the order of nature yields, for he willed, he had the power. He descended and he redeemed, and all things yielded in obedience to God. This day, he who is was born. And he who is becomes what he was not. For when he was God, he became man, yet not departing from the Godhead that is his, nor yet by any loss of divinity he became man, nor through increase became he God from man. But being the word, he became flesh. His nature, because of impassibility, remaining unchanged. 
And so the shepherds have come. And they have seen the heavenly king that has come upon the earth. Not bringing with him angels, nor archangels, nor thrones, nor dominions, nor powers, nor principalities. But treading a new and solitary path, he has come forth from a spotless womb to be the Lamb of God who taketh away the sins of the world. Since therefore all rejoice, I too desire to rejoice, to share the choral dance, to celebrate the festival. But I take my part, not plucking the harp, not shaking the staff, not with the music of the pipes, nor holding a torch, but holding in my arms the very cradle of Christ. For this is all my hope, this my life, this my salvation, this is my pipe and my harp. And bearing it I come, and having from its power received the gift of speech, I too with the angels sing glory to God in the highest, and with the shepherds peace on earth to men of good will. This day he who was ineffably begotten of the Father was for me, born of the Virgin in a way no tongue can tell. Begotten according to his nature before all ages from the Father, yet born this day from the Virgin, above the order of nature, in what manner knoweth only the power of the Holy Spirit. His heavenly generation is true, and his generation here on earth is true. As God, he is truly begotten of God, so also as man, he is truly born from the virgin. Since this heavenly birth cannot be described, neither does his coming amongst us in these days permit of too curious scrutiny. Though I know that a virgin this day gave birth, and I believe that God was begotten before all time, Yet the manner of this generation I have learned to venerate in silence and to accept that this is not to be probed too curiously with wordy speech. For with God we look not for the order of nature, but rest our faith in the power of him who works. What shall I say to you? What shall I tell you? I behold a mother who has brought forth I see a child come to this light by birth. The manner of his conception I cannot comprehend. Nature here is overcome. The boundaries of the established order set aside where God so wills. For not according to nature has this thing come to pass. Nature here rested while the will of God labored. Oh, ineffable grace! The only begotten who is before all ages, who cannot be touched or be perceived, who is simple without body, has now put on my body that is visible and liable to corruption. And for what reason? That coming amongst us he may teach us, and teaching lead us by the hand to the things that men cannot see. For since men believe that the eyes are more trustworthy than the ears, They doubt of that which they do not see, and so he has deigned to show himself in bodily presence that he may remove all doubt. Christ, finding the holy body and soul of the virgin, builds for himself a living temple. And as he had willed, formed there a man from the virgin, and putting him on, this day came forth 
unashamed of the lowliness of our nature. For it was to him no lowering to put on what he himself had made. Let that handiwork be forever glorified, which became the cloak of its own creator. For as in the first creation of flesh, man could not be made before the clay had come into his hand, so neither could this corruptible body be glorified until it had become the garment of its maker. What shall I say? How shall I describe this birth to you? For this wonder fills me with astonishment. The ancient of days has become an infant. He who sits upon the sublime and heavenly throne now lies in a manger. He who cannot be touched, who is simple without complexity and incorporeal, now lies subject to the hands of men. He who has broken the bonds of sinners is now bound by an infant's bonds. But he has decreed that shame shall become honor, infamy be clothed with glory, and total humiliation the measure of his goodness. Come then, let us observe the feast. Come and we shall commemorate this joyous festival. Truly wondrous is the whole chronicle of the nativity. For this day the ancient slavery is ended, the devil confounded, the demons take to flight, the power of death is broken, paradise is unlocked, the curse is taken away, sin is removed from us, error driven out, truth has been brought back, the speech of kindliness diffused and spreads on every side, a heavenly way of life that has been implanted on the earth, angels communicate with men, and men now hold speech with angels. And why is this? Because God is now on earth. On every side, all things commingle. Though being the impassable word, he became flesh, that he might dwell amongst us. He became flesh. He did not become God. He was God. Wherefore, he became flesh, so that he whom heaven did not contain, a manger would one day, this day, receive. He was placed in a manger so that he, he who by all things are nourished, may himself receive an infant's food from his virgin mother. So the God of all ages, as an infant at the breast, nestles in the virginal arms that the Magi may more easily see him. Since this day the Magi too have come and made a beginning of withstanding tyranny. And the heavens give glory as the Lord is revealed by a star. But what shall I say? What shall I utter? Behold, an infant wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. As Eve, being deceived, uttered a word that was cause of death, so Mary, receiving good tidings, brought forth in the flesh a word that gave us eternal life. The word of Eve led to the tree because of which Adam was driven out from paradise. The word which the virgin brought forth led to the cross, because of which the thief standing in the place of Adam was led into paradise. Seeing that men abandoning him fashioned for themselves idols, to which offending God they gave adoration, for which cause on this day the word of God, who was truly God, appeared in the form of man that he might set aright this falsehood. 
and in a veiled manner he has turned all adoration unto himself. To him then, who out of confusion has wrought a clear path to Christ, to the Father, and to the Holy Ghost, we offer all praise, both now and forever. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, we stand in awe of the Incarnation, of your wonderful redeeming work which was commenced on that day. And Lord, even reading this sermon delivered 1,700 years ago or so, it's an awesome reminder that we are in a continuity. You are building a singular church. We thank you for the men and women who came before us who have built the foundation and the structure we now get to enjoy. Grant that we would be found faithful with what has been given to us that subsequent generations would look back and know that we stewarded well. Be with us this day as we remember, reflect, and celebrate. For Christ's sake, amen.